Hello, All-Star listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Veterinary Roundtable presented by All-Star Veterinary Clinic, the podcast where we answer your veterinary-related questions while having some fun along the way. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice, and if you have any feedback to offer to improve the Veterinary Roundtable, let us know. Speaking of reviews, we now have a whopping 42 reviews on Spotify. What? Keep those reviews coming, baby! 46 46. now. Mm Mm-hmm. So now, coming in. Before we move on to introductions, I'm sorry, I have my glasses on. I'm not really <laughs> sure. I could read that without my glasses. We do need to let everyone know about a new book that we have made here at All Star. Not we, actually. There are three employees here at All Star who have used their talents to put together a book called Chowder Caught a Cold. Wow. It's so cute. It's super cute. It's so about talented. a dog who visits the veterinarian and what happens to him when he goes you'll have to find out it's the best veterinary children's book that's what mm-hmm. i've heard yeah you can buy it on amazon it's paperback <laughs> and it's kindle kindle you thanks can get it on the kindle you can get it on the kindle yeah. mm-hmm. look but i just have Great to show graphics. some of these pages because it's so it cute look at this coloring so what's the matter well, it doesn't matter, but look beautiful. at the pictures. You can still yeah. see the pictures. Look at these colors. Josie did fantastic. So one of our registered that. veterinary that technicians mind, did the mm-hmm. illustrations, which yeah. I am just like floored with. And our awesome Dr. Kristen Pulse uh, wrote the story. Yeah. It's so cute. And the wow, amazing Harrison book. did the. Wow, wow, wow. Putting yeah. it together. Wow. Techno stuff. I just feel like pretty you're cool. Read the I just love the colors. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you want me to read to you? Yes, okay. Anyway, can we have reading time <laughs> on the podcast? I love it. Or every day. Or every day. It's right. We should okay. have a day off for promoting the book. And let's all have a reading circle. And then reading take a circle. Nap. And have snacks. Oh, we can have mats that we take naps yes. on. Oh yeah, like Terry does yoga sometimes. Still. Yep. Yeah, that's nice. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, check it out. That's yeah, so cool. it's it's awesome. Okay, on today's episode, we have myself, the pregnant one, if you didn't know. Didn't know. <laughs> Dr. Ashlyn Duckwall, room assistant and comedic, comedic oh, genius. Oh, Abby Depew. My veterinary technician and how-to specialist, Courtney Vaughn, and the head honcho, Dr. Emily King. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Thank you. The how-to of the how-tos is here. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, all everyone's celebrities in their own way. I know. I it's so it. amazing. Have our own little ni- niches. Exactly. Niches. I love that we have created these um, celebrities. Yeah. I mean, they create them themselves, but I mean, like. Yeah. We're promoting their celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's awesome because everyone's so unique. I know. And I'm into this word authentic right now. Authentic. Ooh. Authentic self. Yeah. Mm. So That's nobody can word. duplicate you, Courtney, on your how-tos because right. it's you. Yeah. You are your authentic yeah. self. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so right. pretty Did awesome. Did you guys get some food in before this session? Yes, I was pretty I drank a whole coffee. You drank that like, whole thing? I literally it. less than oh, an hour. Oh, like, my gosh. A venti coffee from Starbucks is downed. Okay, well, we need a seatbelt to hold you in I'm that chair. Oh, really my God. <laughs> <laughs> we walked in here, she's like, I'm going to throw up. She's <laughs> like, I can't get up. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. All right, well, well let's we get going. <laughs> okay. Is a hot dog technically a sandwich? Absolutely not. Hell yeah. What? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> what? Okay, now what's your reasoning? You got to have the gas the gas station dog, which has, it's you a hot dog. Have the gas. <laughs> which is like, if you say hot dog, you automatically think bun and hot dog. It's sandwich. What makes something a sandwich? Yeah. What's your criteria You're to not going to go in there to make if a sandwich. If you just say, if you say the thing and it's a sandwich. But I think 
<laughs> hot dog is its own thing. Yes. It's its own category. Sandwich is another category. Oh. We're not even sure if hot dogs are real food still. You know, it's, it's not. Made it's a spoiler alert. It's not. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Yes. I think it is definitely a sandwich. Wow. I'm going with sandwich. I don't, You're I don't think no. it, like in my brain, I'll think of it as a sandwich. I mean, it's bread. So anything with bread is a sandwich. Yes. Well, it's two pieces so of bread. So a corn dog is a sandwich because it has breading as well. Mm. Mm. Those are fighting words. I love. I'm gonna I say no because because it's not it's batter. Two. It's still breading, right? Okay. <laughs> I guess. Wow. I so if you roll a, a pizza up, it's is a- that a sandwich <laughs> now? <laughs> yes. It's a burrito. It's called a calzone, <laughs> which is a sandwich. <laughs> what? No. Wait, a calzone's a sandwich? Yeah. Oh my yes. God. Hold up pizza. This is escalating. It's an Italian sandwich. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I, I want a calzone I right think, now. Okay, but I think a sandwich is like two pieces of bread put together. Yeah. But like a hot dog is one piece of bread. So if I say I want a sandwich, people are gonna think and know I want a pizza I'm instead. Bring you a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, if you want a sandwich, no. I just think I'll hot give dog me the is poops. Its own. <laughs> I need some extra night is all. Hot dog is its own category uh, of food. Okay, it's its Abby own. Abby, what's your? Oh, give me the poops! Oh god. <laughs> Okay. She's crying. Um, <laughs> it's a hot dog because you don't go into the gas station to make a sandwich. <laughs> okay, fair That's enough. That's what I was. You're crying. I know. It. Oh, jeez. Okay, wow. would you rather... Go ahead. You ask the next one. Okay. <laughs> would you rather have a pet sloth or a pet parrot? Parrot. Sloth. sloth. I actually asked Jacob the other day if we could get a bird. Oh, those... <laughs> they, they live forever. I know. And young. <laughs> That's true. Well, how long does a sloth live? Long. I don't know. Aren't they? Don't they live? But they don't do much. <laughs> yeah. They don't talk I back. Just, like, like you so could go think... to the store and come back, and it would only be right there. <laughs> <laughs> you could go to the gas station and get, get your hot dog, come back, and he's still right there. <laughs> yeah. uh, you don't have, have to worry. You don't have to You'd be like, stay right sand. there. And then you run. <laughs> you don't have to creature in a sloth because it can't do it. <laughs> exactly. All right, stay right there. I'll be, yeah, I'll be back. See, totally sloth. Yeah. Did you get a pester for your sloth on two-day vacation? <laughs> no. no, we only went to <laughs> You can roast I love your crumb along the way. <laughs> you can roast the hot dogs on its long talons. <laughs> Ew, that opened up something weird like oh, a wolverine. Gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's crying again. <laughs> but so yeah, everybody so... around have a sloth and I want a parrot. Uh, well, Abby... I want somebody to talk to. I'll talk to it. Do parrots talk? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk to a parrot. But I want an African gray. I think that's a breed of bird. It oh, is, uh, yes. I will. Yeah. I they're, they're meaner, though. They're yeah, supposed to be okay. meaner. Huh. They're really smart, though. They're supposed to be the smarter yeah. of them. They're just so pretty. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I would want a bird. They I'm not going to get a bird, but I want a bird. Well, don't bring it here. We ain't treating it. The <laughs> 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 okay. bird's dying. Sorry. We're so Again, the sloth. Yeah. <laughs> so if I get a sloth in here? Sure. <laughs> yes. Oh, all right. What? Elise, like, Elise, Elise would be happy. Sloths. Yes, they're so cute. They are very cute. Oh, that was a good. One. All right, case collections. Case collections. Let's do it. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> uh, it was a couple weeks ago. We saw um, an elderly boxer named Jag for an emergency, and the concern was he was ADR, um, lost control of the back legs, but. And his history has really, really bad arthritis, like really weak, you know, walking stiff and all that. So thankfully, he was stable on exam. And a lot of that, what I think happened in the back end was a lot of what he, we already knew about him. However, what was interesting is we did blood work just to be safe and his glucose was low. 
And I was like, oh, that's weird. It could be artifacts. So let's recheck it. And the way we, we recheck it is we only look at a glucose level on a spot, a spot, <laughs> a spot glucometer. So take it straight from the, the vein to the machine. And it was low. I'm like, he's been sitting here eating treats. Yeah. Like we were giving him a lot of lean treats. Mm -hmm. So that when you have that consistency, you have concerns about what's causing low sugar. Um, and a couple of different things that could happen is one is his liver failing, but on blood work, the rest of the liver values and production of things were normal. So I'm like, oh, probably not. The other thing you worry about is um, Addison's disease, so low cortisol. And that was on our radar to test for it. But he was very stable and hadn't had a weird history in the past. So the other one that I was wanting to make sure, because he's an older boxer and they unfortunately tend to get... Um, tend to get cancer of different things is something called an insulinoma. So an insulinoma is a growth on the pancreas and it actually just continuously produces insulin. Well, in the body, insulin is used to uh, take in glucose and so you have nutrients. So then it kind of regulates itself back and forth. Well, if you have not as much glucose, but the insulin's still pumping, you can get really, really low glucose or hypoglycemia. Mm -hmm. And then that is where you can see different um manifestations so for him he'd been actually having tremors that mm -hmm. didn't really make sense and so anyway what we did is we sent out a panel to confirm and what they did is basically looked at the glucose level in light of insulin together and uh like slam dunk diagnosis is low glucose at a normal range with really high insulin mm -hmm. well his was low normal at 64 and usually like less than 39 you're 100 percent in and then less than 60 it's still abnormal and his insulin was really high mm -hmm. so i talked to an internist just to confirm and unfortunately our highest suspicion is insulinoma in him diagnosis definitive would require advanced imaging and everything but at this time did not Owners didn't want to pursue that, which I understood. Um, so management, we discussed, you want them to eat more often, little snacks and everything, because you your sugar level's down here, so you need to boost it constantly. So that's what we talked about doing. Sometimes you can add in a steroid for various reasons of the disease process, and we don't need to do that quite yet, so that's good. But um, we talked about quality of life because his arthritis is so bad. So we decided to still prioritize that comfort and feed him more. And it's been a month. He's been doing okay. Mm -hmm. So we'll just see. Unfortunately, it's not a good type of cancer. It's yeah. usually when they're diagnosed, there's 50% yeah. metastasis somewhere already. So Bummer. Mm -hmm. Very interesting, interesting cases, yeah. though. They're, they're rare. So it's interesting. it's yeah. very rare. But he's really old. I mean, he's lived a good life, though. Yeah, for a boxer, he's... Very he's old. Like he's like 14, 15. Yeah, yeah that's a great age. Yeah. It's very uncommon cancer. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think Dr. Pulse had one. Yeah, we've seen it a couple of times. That, I don't know how many you would say you've seen in your no, career. Probably but two. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah. I know for a boxer, he looks great. Yeah. Like, in still happy, he still looks, eating. Yeah. He's a happy yeah. guy. Okay. Cool. Happy cool case. case. Excellent.
Nope. I guess I'll go next. You go next. Um, so we had like a husky shepherd mix, maybe something like along those lines, um, presented for a laceration on her leg. So the owner took her to the park. She was running, cut right the back of one of her rear limbs. Um, so they brought her in. We did um, sedate her just so we could get a better look at the um, wound. And it was just like, it sound, it's a graphic, but there was a flap of skin hanging off. Um, so like I said, we sedated her, cleaned the area, clipped the hair, and then we sutured it all back together. So we were able to save the piece of skin that was there. Um, so we sewed that back down and then sent her home on some antibiotics, anti-inflammatories, and then a cone, so an e-collar. Um, and they're supposed to wear that for about 10 to 14 days is usually how long we leave the sutures in. So they're supposed to keep that e-collar on to prevent the dog from licking the incision um, to further so they don't create an infection, tear open the suture, stuff like that. Um, so she was doing well. And then a week, yeah, it was exactly a week, I think. Um, this past Wednesday, the owner had texted and said that she had gotten a suture out and that there was a lot of blood. Um, so we had her come back in and she had opened up the incision again. So it hadn't been that full two weeks of healing. Um, so it was still in the healing process. So we actually had to resedate her, debride the wound because it got infected and was all gross. So it wouldn't heal properly if we didn't do that. So we cleaned it up. Um, and now the owner has to do hydrotherapy, which is you have to apply water, a decent amount of water pressure to the wound two to three times a day, I think is what they told her to do, or maybe twice a day for 10 minutes. Um, she has to do that because it promotes healing. Um, but the reason that she came back for that is because the owner didn't keep the e-collar on. So even if the dog doesn't seem bothered by the incision, we always recommend keeping it on regardless, unless you can have like full supervision, like you have eyes on the dog all the time, but still the dog, I mean, it takes two seconds to lick out a suture. Like it's not, They're it's so not fast. hard. Yeah. yeah. And they can get it out with like a, like literally if you look away, they can get it out. So that's why we recommend keeping an e-collar on at all times. Even like, like I said, even if they're doing great, keep it on for the full two weeks because she had a second surgery that could have been avoided. And now the owner, not that the owner's willing to do it. It's just hydrotherapy is a lot of work. Nobody yeah. really wants to do that. So she could have avoided it by keeping the e-collar on. Mm -hmm. So always listen to your vet. <laughs> listen to your vet. <laughs> it's yeah, temporary. Yeah, it keep it covered. It's, one it of the two. I mean, money too. So you're not paying for that second procedure and further treatments to help something that could have been easily prevented. Sure. Yep. So, no. but she's doing fine now. So good. good. It'll heal. Just It'll more heal. time healing too. Yeah, right. More restriction for the dog. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. E collars for life. They look just sad in them. just posted a TikTok about it. About how to Yeah, that's right. Oh. I watched yeah. that bad boy. There's multiple different things you can use. How to. Mm -hmm. The right how there. to, how to. The queen. <laughs> <laughs> the queen has spoken. Okay, um, Abby. Okay, so for my interesting case, um, I don't have full knowledge on it, but I'd like to kind of explain it. So we have a greyhound, an adult female greyhound. Her name is Java. Um, she was adopted. She was a, um, she was in Greyhound racing. So she was retired. Um, she was adopted by her family. We saw her for her annual. She tested positive for hookworms. Um, we treated her with safeguard, panicure, um, drontal, anything to try to get rid of things. Um, and it came back again with hookworms, same amount. So, Dr. Pulse did a little bit of researching and actually found that greyhounds, especially old racing greyhounds, can become resistant to treatments for hookworms, intestinal parasites, things like that. 
Um, and I have a few things here. Why? Um, just because they're in the sand, mostly in Florida where it's warm and moist. So larvae and, and from fecals and things can spread very quickly. They're confined, things like that. Um, so right now we're in the gist of actually testing hookworm egg count in her fecal, um, doing treatment and then retesting again to see kind of what works. Um, and actually talking about that, McDivitt, our other doctor, she had a case like that um, previously at a different clinic. She was actually able to cure them. Um, mm -hmm. She found what worked. So um, it's really interesting now because greyhound racing, it's illegal in 40 states. Um, so sh technically should be all of them <laughs> because it's not great. But um, those dogs are being rehomed with these strains that that can't be treated other dogs other family members are picking it up because it is zoonotic so um you have other dogs a, a random german shepherd that's resistant now because a greyhound came home so mm -hmm. it's it's interesting to um go through that and learn about it so kind of in the middle of it uh, finding out our answers but i thought it was pretty interesting mm-hmm that's a really cool case. Yeah. Yeah. Drug resistance in general is something that I think we're starting to experience more and more. And um, parasitic resistance or drugs are drugs that we use for parasites is definitely mm -hmm. something that yeah. is happening. We see it with heartworm disease. So we have resistant strains of heartworm disease, mostly along the Mississippi Valley yeah. basin area, mm -hmm. but it's definitely a thing. Mm -hmm. So um they're just good at surviving yeah. and existing. And yep. I think compliance, meaning like either the dog's not taking the medications, like our heartworm preventions do have dewormers in them. Mm -hmm. But I think the numbers show like eight out of 12 months. Owners typically will give heartworm prevention eight out of 12 months. Mm -hmm. Well, then we have some, you know, resistance occurring there. Plus then their chronic exposure to the Mm -hmm. The yeah. dewormers that are in the heartworm prevention also could be potentially a factor as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it was odd for us because she had been on prevention, mm -hmm. um, but then probably just got treated so much on the track for dewormer that it just. Yep. Yeah. They were probably deworming all the time on the yeah. track. I would oh, think. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Just for performance. Yeah. yeah. Like, so hookworms suck blood, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that. Yeah. They're the voracious blood suckers. Yeah. That's what they yep. taught us in school. <laughs> no, the one thing I remember about them voracious blood suckers. humans get them from stepping in like the sand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go up yeah. Feet. Don't go to Florida without Don't any walk shoes on. <laughs> That's right. I remember I from school too, like just greyhounds have that predisposition. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that either. So it was really interesting to kind yeah. of. That is very interesting. So mm, very hopefully give you some answers on that. Also important to follow up with recheck fecals so yeah. that you know if it's working or, and then environmental cleanup as well oh, yeah. to like, no matter what parasite it is so yeah. that you don't contaminate or they don't recontaminate themselves. That's yeah. always really important. Because yeah, once that's in the soil, you're yeah, sort of digging up the first yep. six inches or something and torching yeah. the yard. Ooh, wow. You're bleaching it and <laughs> yeah. whatever else. Not going to work. So yeah. Yeah. Very cool one. Cool. Yeah. You have to report back. I will. I will give you an On update. The we should be getting a fecal tested next week for the McMaster fecal. Okay. okay. Cool. Yeah. cool. Okay. <laughs> On to listener question. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do it or do you want me to? Maybe we should split the paragraph. Yeah. yeah. Let's do the split. Let's all go around and do a okay. paragraph. Okay. Just you like start in class. Side and then we'll oh, go around. Okay. Like, okay. Read ahead. And like, <laughs> okay. All right. 
Hello, All-Star Veterinary Clinic. I have been listening to your podcast for a while now. Absolutely love it, by the way. We are a fairly new cattery. We had our first litter of kittens at the beginning of December last year. They are now just a little bit over 11 weeks. They got their first vaccine, their FVRCP, well, (laughs) I just shortened it. Sorry. FVRV, FCV, FPV, (laughs) vaccine, (laughs) modified live, and... (laughs) okay anyways on january 19th after that only one of our kittens got sick he had terrible diarrhea weight loss and lack of energy his personality greatly changed this once playful feisty kitten now just moped around looking miserable my turn Mm -hmm. after him having diarrhea for your for a few days we contacted our vet our vet provided no help a couple days later we took him to the emergency vet they did in-clinic testing and sent out a pcr in the meantime, we treated him with metronidazole, panicure, and albon. One night, he developed a stuffy nose and kept on sneezing. His nose eventually cleared up, but he still had diarrhea. His PCR came back and showed nothing but clostridium type A. We continued to treat him with the medicines. We gave him lots of anti-diarrheal medications. We gave him one dose of Clavamox, but his diarrhea got worse, so we stopped. It goes on to say, we contacted multiple vets and nobody seemed to have an answer. After about a week and a half, he started to improve. His sweet personality came back and his diarrhea stopped. On February 9th, all of his siblings went to get their boosters. We didn't want to risk them, risk him getting sick again, so we waited to get his booster. The, that day, the whole litter, besides the kitten that didn't get the booster, his name is Lurch, got sick. They all had diarrhea. Some of them even threw up a little bit. After a couple of days, their diarrhea continued. They all started to lose weight. Again, nobody had any answers. Lurch, the previously sick kitten, had been having solid stools for five days. About two days after his siblings got their boosters, his diarrhea came back. We contacted the vaccine company and they asked us for the lot number of the vaccine. We checked the sticker on the kitten's pamphlets looking for the lot number from the vet and found that the vaccines our vet gave them were expired by over a month. Our vet and multiple other vets told us that an expired vaccine wouldn't have an effect like that on the kittens. We've been treating all of the kittens with pain and cure and are starting to give them metronidazole. We have also been giving them some homeopathic pills so that if the vaccine was bad, it will be flushed out of their systems. Their diarrhea has started to improve and they have all started to gain more weight. One of them was acting miserable like Lurch and had been previously, but now he seems better. All of their energy is back and they seem pretty normal again. Despite all of that, Lurch still has diarrhea. I guess our question for you guys is, could it have been the expired vaccine that did this? And if not, what else could be causing all of this? We would love it love it if you guys could feature our question in one of your podcasts, but totally okay if you don't. At Bengals Boutique. Boutique. Okay, that was a really informative yeah. piece of information or pieces of information because I think it does allow us to answer the question better. Yeah. yeah. Knowing all the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So the question is, could the vaccine, the expired vaccine, cause it? Well, we actually reached out to vaccine representative today to inquire more information to answer your question mm-hmm. and she relayed essentially no <laughs> yeah yeah i think that the vaccine you know our instinct would be to think that the vaccine if it's expired is maybe not as efficacious so it's not going to provide immunity when you give it but it should not have a systemic side effect so and the only time that you worry about more of a side effect is if the sample of the vaccine has actually been frozen. So that is where you get more adverse side effects and risk. Mm-hmm. Um, she had mentioned that 
like coming on to summertime when vaccines are shipped, a lot of companies will over ice them actually because mm-hmm. of the warm weather. So that was another another factor as well. Yeah. So if the vaccine was frozen and then thawed, even for a very minor amount of time, mm-hmm. that that could potentially trigger some type of reaction. The other thing that would point against the vaccines would be that all the kittens were affected, which would be very strange. Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't be something, although you might think, oh, because they all got the same thing, but that would be very unusual mm-hmm. for all of them to have the same reaction to the vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that would, that's also the thing that gives us pause to say, oh, that's kind of interesting. I wouldn't typically see that, yeah. you know, yeah. with the thing. Unfortunately, they probably have, they're probably carrying some other underlying issue Yep, that is waxing and waning on them. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say the duration. Like if you, yeah. if we experience any sort of vaccine adverse reaction, typically it will be short-lived. And this does not seem like That's this was short-lived. also what I was wondering, like how soon after they got the vaccine, did they start acting sick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it said that, but. Yeah, well, in the fact quick. that Lurch didn't get the second round and then yeah. still got sick, too. Exactly. Yeah, there's got to be some type of issue, mm-hmm. you know, with the um, underlying immune system or, you know, something that they carried through from their mother. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. assuming they're FAL, FIV negative. That's not in here in the history, but we're assuming that. Right. That could be yeah. another that could factor. Be something but Pan Luke is the thing we were talking mm-hmm. about because of well, the symptoms. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, Just even like if it's going around, we were just talking about parasites, contamination of the environment. They're all still recontaminating each other. They can get them from their mom, Um, especially depending on the, I don't know, the environment in which they're set up as Mm -hmm. too. So are they indoor, outdoor? Are they just in? I mean, so many different factors. Sanitation wise, what are they using? Well, and I would expect since these are Bengals, I'm assuming based on the yeah <laughs> then they're indoor right so they're probably you know a breeding cattery mm-hmm. but the coccidia which they treated with albon the metronidazole could have up could have upset the natural flora yeah yeah so it could have been that although you might have gotten initial like result like an improvement but then everything's out of whack mm-hmm. now that you've used the metronidazole and so it may be that we don't have normal gut flora too yep that's keeping things Flushed in check. Yeah, we we really try not to use metronidas all much anymore because um, we actually sat down with an internist and he shared that research has been shown that when you do metronidas all, it can take up to like what four months, a long time, a long time, uh, months essentially to reestablish the good bacteria. Because oh, huh. when you're using it, you're getting rid of the bad stuff, but also the good stuff. So that's why a lot of times we try to avoid using it if we can with um, Metamucil or change in diet or probiotics. Um, but of course there's those instances it's different of yeah. frequency, severity, yeah. blood, mucus, things like that. So yeah. it's still a good anti-diarrheal. You just have to be picky when you use Don't it. Yeah. Especially it. for, I mean, they're so young. Yeah. Their yeah, immune systems young. are yeah. not strong. So, so yeah. it's going to take them a hot minute to get back to normal. To get back mm-hmm. to normal. GI so tracks. using, yeah. Using dietary therapy. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if that was mentioned in here or not as far as like, therapeutic diets to control gastrointestinal distress but that you know you the biome potentially it might not be suitable for a kitten but you could use it for short term right you know to reestablish gut flora and help treat problem or high digestibility low residue diets Mm -hmm. or 
I mean, yeah. and cats are really hard to medicate. So yeah. we really try our best to never medicate them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they're hard because you can't, yeah. you start something, you can't finish it or they're not, they don't tolerate it mm-hmm. or you make them worse because you're, you know, they're stressed out because you're, so we really try dietary therapy or supplements that we can add into food. Yeah. Like the Metamucil. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's another important thing. She said they did Clavamox for his sneezes and stuff. Well, antibiotics can be really hard on the GI system in addition, addition to, to everything else. Yeah. So um, I think there's a, a lot of factors here. And there's just so many slew of infectious things that can get into your cattery. Yeah. And I would I would caution against Clavamox use for upper respiratory infection. It's not going to work. So at least that's yeah. what all, all the research shows. So and a, I mean, just age in general, like be in antibiotic yeah. use in general, you've yeah. got to be real careful. So, so we would we that's not something that we're going to pull off the shelf and use an upper mm-hmm. respiratory infection in a cat. Mm-hmm. So we would say, hey, if somebody, I do use it sometimes and I, I do. I use it on my own cat and it worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, the research shows that it's not it's not hitting the right strain not as of, effective mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So they talk about using doxy instead. The other thing would be like yeah. if her homeopathic stuff had lysine. That's exactly what I was like. What What's in that? Yeah. I want to know more about that too. That might be helpful too. Yeah. Yeah. To know what's in there. So hopefully we answered at least the main concern. Maybe the main concern the was vaccine. the vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. But there's still probably Lots a lot of other things to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Having a cattery is really hard. So... And hard work. If, mm-hmm. What is a cattery? A breeding. It would be like um, a situation where you have multiple cats and they're yeah. breeding and and then having cat kittens. I see. And then you would maybe save one of those to yeah. breed. You know what I mean? And so you're yeah. having multiple cats yeah. in an enclosed area. Right. It's kind of a simplified way of thinking of yeah. it maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair. Makes sense. So and they the problem is they're all in an enclosed area, yeah. right? And so then things spread so quickly. Mm-hmm. Ringworm, upper respiratory infection. I mean, you, I mean, there's just yeah, there's yeah. a litany of things. Yeah. So it's really hard. It's hard work running a cattery, and oh gosh, yeah, yeah I bet. So yeah, kudos to you guys for yeah. yeah taking the time to make sure that they're all taken care of and yeah, basically Hopefully fixing they them. Get better. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Okay me sure okay let's do it thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the veterinary roundtable remember to send in those questions and be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at all-star veterinary clinic if you enjoyed this episode or a previous episode leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice we'll see you in a few weeks for the next episode of the veterinary roundtable <laughs> don't forget about chowder cotter called cotter cold chowder good job chowder <laughs> <laughs>